Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. This is not a sermon. It is a Bible study done by Preacher. Our scripture is taken from the book of Exodus with excerpts from chapters 2, 3, and 4. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here am I. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Key verse, And Moses said, Here am I. I like to start out with two questions. What do you do when you are faced with the impossible? What do you do when you are really faced with an impossible situation? Have you ever wondered about anything in nature or mankind? Now, we come to our lesson plan, and Israel is in Egypt. And when Israel came to Egypt, they were put in that fertile valley by the river, and they prospered and they multiplied evidently like you wouldn't believe over a decade or so. In fact, they grew so strong and so plentiful that the Egyptian people, and especially those who were in charge, grew fearful. And they thought that we were going to be overrun by these Jewish people. And so the thing that they did was they put them in slavery. As they were doing that, the decree went out that every firstborn or every boy child that was born would be killed. And so the midwives that tended to these births start out with, they were fearful of doing that. And so they were called in and put on the line and told that this is what they would have to do. And so it became the law of the land and all of the male babies of Israel were put to death. And we come to the story of Moses. And this is a very interesting story. We could spend a lot of time with this. And I'm sure that every one of you finds something very interesting about the story of Moses. Every one of us here have heard the story of Moses over and over again. What does the story tell us? And what is the story trying to tell us? And what is the scripture trying to tell us? How many of you believe that you're in the hand of a living God. How many of you really believe that your way is ordered? Well, if this story tells us anything, it should tell us something about our relationship with a living God. You see, what would you do if you wanted to deliver a people that had been put in bondage by a great nation, a powerful nation? Egypt at this time that we're studying uh, was one of the leading powers of the world. 
Now, this is a thing that's always been an interest to me in God. The way that God goes about doing things. If we were in the, the position to do this, we would probably call on the Medes and the Persians and get them to unite and form a great massive army and we would march in and deliver the Jewish people. But this is not God's plan. You see, there are a few things that I don't guess about. And here's one thing that I don't guess about in the scripture. I don't guess about this story of Moses and the way that it is put together and the way that it fits together. You see, God planned to free the people in Egypt. What does he do? He calls on a baby to do this. He calls for a mother to give birth to a boy uh, that was in danger of losing his life just because he was a Jewish person born of a Jewish mother and because he was a boy. Now the mother, in order to save this boy, makes him a little basket and waterproofs it and puts him in the Nile, the river, among the reeds. And then in doing this, she evidently told her older daughter to go down to the river and wash to see what happened. And the daughter of Pharaoh comes out to bathe. And so she went down to the river to bathe, and in doing so, she discovers this basket and finds the baby irresistible and takes the baby in. And the little sister did her job and called the mother of the baby to take care of it until it was old enough that the Pharaoh's daughter could take it uh, within the palace and adopt this uh, a boy as her own son. Now, you either come up with, well, this is a lot of freak circumstances that put this picture together, or you look at it and you say that God has planned this from beginning to end. And so it's not a matter of whether it's a, could it be, to me, it is something that is an absolute that this is what God intended to do. And Moses couldn't have gotten away from God if he had tried to, in which he did. We think about Moses and his relationship to his people and to his God. And I'll ask another question. Can God use an imperfect person to do great and wonderful things? All of us are imperfect. Moses had a couple of bad flaws. What were they? Temper was one. He couldn't speak too well. He was a Jew. He had a lot of strikes against him, and on top of that, he couldn't stand his ground when the chips were down. And so today we'd call that person one with a yellow streak, because Moses not only ran, but he ran clear out of the country. Now, we look at Moses and we see that he had feet of clay, like all the rest of us. Sometimes we think of these people who did such wonderful and great and mighty things that grace the pages of our scripture, uh, that they were unique and different people. Well, dear ones, they're no more unique than you are, or no more unique than I am. And it's interesting to note that God could use a man that murdered two people. Now, you see, I don't care how you slice it, what Moses did uh, with these two Egyptians that were beaten up on this Israelite. What Moses did was an, an act of real aggression and he really killed uh, in this uh, situation he killed two people now evidently two or three days later he saw two Israelites fighting one another 
and this Israelite was beating upon the other one. And when Moses separated them, what did this one Israelite say to Moses? That really cutie man, he had better leave the country. They reminded him that somebody had been watching him when he killed those two Egyptians and hit, hit them in the sand. And so Moses knew at that time that he had to leave the country. And of course, he did leave the country. Now with these things that were against Moses, you wonder if you'd ever hear of Moses again. Because you see, he knew that he was imperfect. And we know that we are imperfect. And we wonder sometime if God can really use us. You see, when it comes down to it, you think about maturity. Maturity is something like this. Maturity is when you will accept the total responsibility for your action. Now, uh, Moses accepted responsibility for his action, and that's one reason why he left the country. Because he knew that if he were caught by the Egyptian, that he would have to pay for his act that he had committed. Now, here's another interesting thing about it. As you stop to think about uh, the call of uh, Moses by the Lord, there is no mention on the part of God of the previous life of Moses. God does not ask him about these two Egyptians that he killed. Uh, this was not his concern. You can make of that whatever you want to, but it is not there. And you see, in God dealing with Moses, if you were preparing someone to lead a group of people, you would probably give them the best education that you could give them. You'd prepare them in the best way that you could. And what was it that God did to prepare Moses to take leadership of his people. What did he do? He put him in the home of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter. Though we don't have any record, there's nothing said about Moses' training, but you can rest assured that Moses was schooled in the greatest school of that day because he was in the house of Pharaoh and was adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he received the best training that was had in that land at that day. Can't help but wonder, where was it along the way that Moses realized that he was not an Egyptian? Possibly. We don't really know. We have to guess at it. He realized that, that he lived in Egypt, but he was not an Egyptian. Now you see, this has all kinds of uh, things if you want to spiritualize and think of it in terms of who we are and what we are today. Where was it that you made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, in a sense, this is the same type of a situation as we spiritualize what happened to Moses. Somewhere he recognized the fact that he belonged to Israel. And who did Israel belong to? Belonged to God. Somewhere along the way, though you lived in Egypt, so to speak, you came to realize uh, that there was a kingdom of God and you can belong to it and at that time, somewhere along the way, you made your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is no different in principle of Moses thinking in terms of the fact that I'm not an Egyptian. I live in Egypt. I dress like an Egyptian. But I am really part of the house of Israel. I don't care where you live or how you dress or what you have been in your previous situation. 
or your nationality, but you're really a child of God because you have made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Moses goes out into the desert here to spend some time. Now Moses in his weakness and in his fleeing from Egypt, you wonder how much really Moses' uh, decisions that he made to figure into this or whether God had pre-planned uh, this whole thing. Sometimes I wonder myself, how much of my life has been my decision that I have made and how much of it has been that God has put it into my heart and my soul and my mind to think like this? It's a very interesting question, you see, and one that only you in a limited way can answer. I have a sneaky suspicion that when we get to heaven, we're going to see that a lot of this stuff that we thought we thought upon our own and we were the sole maker of this decision, we're going to find that somehow or another God had stamped us his way and we were thinking the thoughts after God. I believe with all my heart and soul that you can think the thoughts of God. I know you can, and I know that we do. So Moses is out here in the wilderness and having a really a nice time of it. He's found a pretty good home for himself. He finds a wife and a family and a group to belong to. Here is where God finds him and where God had led him, would be a better way to put it. And here is where the Lord appears to Moses and the famous burning bush. Now this is the reason I asked the question to start with. Have you ever wondered about anything in nature of man? Here's a phenomenon that led him to realize that he was standing in the very presence of a living God. You know, there is a possibility you are close to some spiritual reality uh, when you come to be baffled by something that you see in man or nature. And it's always this way. It can be. You come to a mystery of life, something that you can't readily grasp or understand, and in this moment you have a possibility of coming face to face with God. It had to be a God in charge of something. It had to be a God that would bring about something like this. The awesomeness of even a small situation where there's a lack of understanding, in this situation, it brought Moses face to face with God. Take off your shoes. You know, the tragedy of it is that we go through life and we never or seldom see something that really baffles our mind. I would think if you ever come to a place like that again, take off your shoes, you are on holy ground. If you looked around, you might be able to sense that you're standing in the very presence of a living God. Now, what was God really trying to do? Well, we could take this whole lesson and we could spend it going off in many directions as I have this morning and talk about many different concepts that comes to mind. The, I don't think Moses is one whit different than you are, or I am. Not even one degree when it comes to our relationship with God. Now, there may be a difference in what we're called to do, of course, but in the basic situation in your relationship with Almighty God, Moses did not have any more than you have or you do not have any more than Moses had. 
Yes. Moses could have made a decision that I'm not going to do this. Moses comes through as a very believable person. And his excuses that he made and what he was trying to do. But when you look at Moses and you see what he is saying and the premise on which he is saying what he is saying, you begin to realize that the one thing that Moses had was that he had really a fundamental belief in a living God. He believed in God. He believed in the God of his forefathers. This is interesting. Where did Moses pick this up? Because you see, the deity of the Egyptians were more of they honored the dead. They had figures, uh, their gods had uh, the heads of animals. And they had a concept of worship of where it was more a concept of death than it was of life. But here, uh, Moses brought up in the palace of Pharaoh, you know full well, his formative years, he's faced with this every day. This evidently didn't have any effect on him because he comes to the place where he believed in one God. Moses didn't have a choice. In one sense, he really didn't have a choice. Before he was born, God conceived of him as doing what he did. I'm sort of like Jeremiah. Jeremiah said that in the midst of his problems, his difficulties, his trouble, he accused the Lord. In effect, he said, I didn't even have a chance. Before I was born, you called me to do this. And I believe that that is true. Now, I think that I understand something of Moses. I do not think that Moses had a choice. When you see something that needs to be done, not always, but when you see that something is that really needs to be done within his church or something spiritual or something spiritual within your own life, where does it come from? One of the things that baffles me is that where do you get your thoughts? This is very interesting to me and I still don't have an answer for it. But you see, when I had this leg broken and it would not heal, they suggested to me, said, let us put some electrodes in your leg to that bone and you'll wear a monitor and a battery. And that battery will shock that bone, send a signal to that bone, and that leg will heal, or supposed to. Now this is interesting. It's a medical concept, a medical term, that in 95% of the cases it works. In mine, it did not for some reason or another. Anyhow, look what they were doing. Now, we know that we think through electrical charges. Now, what medical science was doing, saying, bypass his brain and give him some help down here in his leg through electrical charge. Where do we get these electrical charges, I mean, come from? What do they carry? Where do we get these multitude of thoughts? And then we sift them out and only come down with one or two we hold on to. Who's in charge? Well, you say, I am. Uh, yes, you are. But there's a God that is greater than you are. And somehow or another that he can help us with these thoughts that we have to help us to make a selection of those 
Now that we know that we should pay attention to. I know that there's a God in charge. I know that there's a spirit that prevails among us, on us, in us, and through us. And that is the spirit of God. And some of these great things that we think, these great thoughts that we have, God is the one through his spirit that placed it there to start with. And we responded to it. Now, we come down to this and we think about what God did with his people through Moses and how he prepared Moses to do a job. And Moses did the job in a fashion, though he was uh, flawed in many ways, uh, yet God was able to use. One thing that we need to remember, that God is able to use a person that is flawed. And then why do we sit in judgment on people who don't measure up to our expectations? If you had been there today and you had been selecting a leader and you had been a witness to Moses killing these two Egyptians and then hiding their bodies and covering up his tracks, would you have selected him to be the one to carry the people of God and free them out of Egypt? Using the logic of our world today, you would have voted against it. You would have. What does that say? I don't know. A man resigned from Congress this week because he had a flawed character. But what was God really trying to do? Now, I want to close with this. We don't want to get lost in this story and not see what God was really trying to do in and through Moses in our scripture. Well, mark it down. One of the first things God was trying to do was to tell Egypt Egypt will know that I am God. This is expressed in there. That Egypt may know that I am God. That Egypt will know that the Lord, He is God. Israel will know Him as a great God. You see, it's no different today. God wants you to know that He is a great God. The whole coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is to let you know that God is a great loving God. It is still our responsibility to let the world know, let Egypt know, that the Lord, He is God. God will be to Israel a God. This is what I was really saying. One thing that God wants you to know more than anything else, that He will be the Lord to you. I will be your God. God will be and is Israel's God. God is a free God. All nature. The only thing that really doesn't respond to God properly, it's not nature, but it's man, you see. But God is a free God. The thing that God can do is to use evil to serve him. I can almost remember, I've lost part of it now, but I remember studying the Old Testament and old Nebuchadnezzar and old... Snackerib. These people were potentates and they were mean and cruel and they were pagans. And when God wanted to bring his people back in line and tell them that they had drifted and to whip them back in shape, who did he call on to do it? Some of these old pagan kings to do the job before him. God is a free God. He is not bound as man is bound. And God is trying to say that 
he wants to reveal his power through man. He can endow man with awesome power. He can do things through an individual that he will not do any other way. And he will provide you with what you need to belong to him and to his kingdom. You see, it comes out loud and clear. The override of Moses is, is what God said to Moses in effect, look, whatever you like, I have. I will provide for you in your hour of need. What this really says, dear ones, take courage. There's nothing out there tomorrow or tomorrow's tomorrow that you're going to face that you and God can't handle. Oh, our Father, help us to believe it, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 